Hello there. It's Most Things Kenobi. This is the podcast you're looking for. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Most Things Kenobi, a podcast about Obi-Wan Kenobi and all things Star Wars. I am your host, Leanne. And I'm your host, Lauren. And as we always do, thank you, James Arnold Taylor, for the wonderful intro. We will never get sick of thanking you, and we will never get sick of your voice. Thank you very much for doing our intros, as always. So this week, we have a very fun topic. I'm totally excited. Oh my god. (laughs) The title of the episode basically says it all. (laughs) Dave Filoni is a goddamn genius. End of episode. (laughs) Thanks for being here, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. Thanks. See you next week. (laughs) No, but for real, though. What is the meme in Filoni we trust? In Filoni we trust. Well, the t-shirt that started it all, my t-shirt, is hashtag Filoni gets it. And by Filoni gets it, we mean Star Wars. We seriously should sell a t-shirt that says that on it. I mean, it's nothing but praise. And he deserves it. He totally deserves it. Absolutely. I don't know someone like who deserves their own t-shirt more than Dave Filoni. Right. He's basically our hero. We love him. We appreciate his artistic genius, his knowledge of Star Wars, his bond with George Lucas himself. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's a, he's a master at his, his craft. And it shows. Yes. In fact, we're not the only ones who think so. The Emmy nominations were actually just announced, and two of Dave Filoni's projects, one, The Mandalorian, notched 24 nominations, Mm -hmm. and The Clone Wars themselves, season seven, three Emmy nods. Which deserves to win everything. (laughs) Season seven wins all categories. I don't care what it is. (laughs) I, I just think the things that we... As fans have seen, is he's finally getting the rec- the kind of recognition that he deserves. Yeah. I mean, if you think he deserves to have some trophies. In my mind, he's perfect without any, <laughs> you know, it's great to be honored, you know, on paper in this way. But he was a goddamn genius before the Emmys came around. So, yes, he's pretty much been a genius since he was young, I would say. Yes. I mean, he worked on... Yes. The Last Airbender before he worked yes, he on did. Clone Wars, and that is one of my favorite animated shows ever. Mm-hmm. I just A lot finished of love it. rewatching the whole thing recently, and my God, it's so good. And it's good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure it would have been good anyway, but having his touch on the show and like his interpretations of mythology and anime and all of that stuff it's just like it's particularly special when Filoni gets his hands on a project yes I I completely agree and so I mean for those who if you don't know who he is by now I can't help you but (laughs) Dave Filoni (laughs) is basically the mastermind behind the Clone Wars and a part of the team that put together the the Mandalorian of course now the Bad Batch Mm -hmm. and many other side projects that are soon to come yeah. Of course, you and I love the Clone Wars, and then Clone Wars was saved, which yes. you and I were at the panel that Dave Filoni was at when he announced season seven was a thing. Yes, we were very emotional. <laughs> There's so many reasons to love the man, but I have a personal connection to him. He doesn't know this. <laughs> he doesn't know I have a personal connection, but I wish he did. 
Maybe someday he'll know. Maybe someday he'll know, but Dave, we're hometown buddies. We're Penguins fans because we're both from the Pittsburgh area. Now, he's from Mount Lebanon, which is south of Pittsburgh, and I'm from undisclosed location north of Pittsburgh. Uh, (laughs) But, I mean, as you know, Lauren, the Penguins are my hometown hockey team. Oh, yeah. I'm currently wearing, let's see, it says, Steel City, may the force be with yins. And it's from a company called Shop Steel City. Go check them out. Not affiliated, not sponsored, but we love them. Uh, me and Dave. Dave and I. Yeah, I was like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. No. But the, the craziest thing was, is like the craziest thing that, and this is what I wish I could talk to Dave. First of all, I want to talk to him about some of the crazy trades that have happened in the past two, three years with our team. I, I could get into a car. Dave, hit me up. I need to know your opinion on on the Hornquist trade. I think he'd probably be very happy to have someone to finally talk hockey with right. instead of Star Wars with. Yes. <laughs> but the thing that killed me was, you've seen me wear this shirt. It says, just play, and it's four lines, and it has check marks. Mm-hmm. And what it is is our Penguins coach doing the just play, the four games, and then the next four games, and the, next, the, the 16 games you need to win to win a Stanley Cup. Okay, and I found this shirt. It was so hard. to. When I saw a behind-the-scenes photo of Dave Filoni wearing that same shirt, I said, shut up. <laughs> he got the same shirt. I know the trouble he went through to get that shirt because I went through the trouble <laughs> to get that shirt. But it warmed my heart. But <laughs> Yeah, he wears Pittsburgh, nice. fan, like, Pittsburgh shirts all the time. You see, When he always has time. a Penn's hat on. You know, it's yeah. just like, it, it makes me happy to see. If it's not a Plo Koon or a Wolfpack shirt, or hat it's a it's a pittsburgh hat (laughs) or or at one time when it was all like ahsoka lives right like the ahsoka lives shirt that you like he like flipped yeah dave's a character he's got the hat he's got that smile yeah you know well and i always joke that the emoji the like cowboy emoji is actually a dave filoni emoji yes and you and i have used that when we were talking and praising (laughs) dave filoni about stuff we use the cowboy emoji yes i love when people cosplay dave filoni i think that is so smart it's like so clever and witty and it's delightful i mean you can pick them literally out of a crowd yeah (laughs) by the hat and that smile you know what i mean he's so great too and he's so like humble and mild-mannered and just truly delightful to listen to i've heard him say in a bunch Mm -hmm. of interviews that he doesn't think he's interesting he thinks his wife is way more fascinating she's a writer actually she wrote one of the stories in the clone wars collection of short stories they released sort of recently but anytime i hear him talk even if it's about nothing star wars related i think Mm -hmm. he's really fascinating and he's really funny he he is just a delightful person you can tell he knows what he's talking about You know, you can tell the difference between someone who kind of fumbles their way through something, but Mm -hmm. Dave is thoughtful. He's thought about these things. He understands. If you ever hear him talk about, like, even the prequels, some of the things Mm -hmm. he said to discuss, like, how this makes sense and how the vision, you know, things that tie together. And he he gets it. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He just has an understanding. I think an understanding maybe that's tied into some of us, like, original trilogy people. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, where there's that respect for the original trilogy, but then you can branch out and make the story richer mm-hmm. and, and and even grander than it already is without losing the things we love about Star Wars, which is the story, the heart, the heart and soul, 
you know, the difficult choices and, of course, the sadness and pain. I just heard I was rewatching some interviews with him that are some of my particular favorites. And he was talking about how they went really dark on some of the episodes in Clone Wars and people liked that. But he said, like, if you get too dark, can you really call it Star Wars anymore? Because it's supposed to be an mm. adventure and... Um, with hope. Yes, it should always be hopeful and that comes from the original trilogy. He even said it yes. does because he was like, if we go really dark on our plot lines, are you still coming away with that feeling you had after watching A New Hope? Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what he is always striving for and trying to help people relive that excitement that they felt when they first saw the original trilogy back in the 70s and mm -hmm. 80s. And I think that's why he's really successful with Star Wars is because he's a fan. And he even said yes. it wasn't he wasn't even a fan. He was just a kid. And all kids back in the 70s were Star Wars fans. It was just like a way yeah. of life. So yes, it really shows in his work, I think. He's just another fan like us. Mm -hmm. He just happens to have that artistic side and made it work and produced some really amazing content. Seriously, and when you look back at his path of how he ended up, you know, as an executive producer at Lucasfilm, considering he grew up as a huge Star Wars fan, I don't know if you believe in manifesting, anybody out there listening, but talk about a crazy pathway. Yeah. I mean, everything lined up perfectly and even has the story, right, where he's working on Last Airbender, he loves the show, he's really passionate about it. And he's sitting in the office one day and a friend says, what is it that would pull you away from this show? Like, what could mm -hmm. entice you away? And he said, well, if George Lucas called, maybe I'd go work for him. Literally, one week later, got a phone amazing. call from Lucasfilm. That's amazing. I mean, it's meant to be. And he thought it was somebody pranking him, playing a joke on him. Because it right, was right. Lucasfilm animation. And he's like, there is no such thing. Who is this? You know, like, who's yeah, calling yeah, yeah, me? Yeah. Is there a chance that I could manifest talking to Dave? Because... Oh, my God, please. I, I would love to. <laughs> Maybe I just have questions. We, you and I, we put our collective space twin energy together. Let's I think we it. can make it happen. We can do this. We can. we can do this. Hey, fans, listeners, yeah, help us. Everybody, <laughs> collective energy. Get Dave Filoni. Collective energy. It's a thing. <laughs> and Dave also comes from a musical background. Mm -hmm. His father was deep into musical production, and his mom was a singer. And his mom's a singer. So I mean, yeah. he get he's he's obviously inherited some artistic side um but he's also an incredible artist his yeah. sketches that we saw at the clone wars panel alone which is what we thought we were going to get that was all we were going to get right you know some reminiscing over the past 10 years which would have sufficed i would have been totally happy with oh that. my gosh yes dave's showing some sketches private sketchbook yeah yeah the voice actors and actresses there that was enough to fill my soul and then <laughs> and then this happened well, and the way he said it, too, was like, you've all been so great over the years. We just want to give you a little something. Here's a little something for yeah, you. Yeah, a little something. Yeah, I was like, Dave. I rewatched that recently. Full body chills. Like, yes. still, I feel the emotion, even though I've watched it. I lived through it first, and then I've rewatched yes. it multiple times, and I still get those full body chill. And, like, I, I seriously, like, cried pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I we well we were we were in good company. Yeah. I mean everybody there lost their shit. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Rightfully so. And we had another friend who was in the back oh, yeah, who actually God. he came in later, right? <laughs> because right. his other panel finished. He came in and sat way, way, way in the back. 
And he's like, well, I'll just chill here until, you know, because the girls are here. And then when we're all done, we'll then go get yeah. lunch or something. And he couldn't believe the reaction. And he said he didn't have any idea what was going on because he didn't. He's a Star Wars fan, but he hadn't seen Clone Wars, right. but he was interested. But he said he felt like an energy in that room that when it exploded, when they announced yeah. season seven. So, I mean. I bet they could have filled Hall H. They didn't have to have one of those small rooms. They could have filled Hall H. <laughs> they could have filled Hall H, especially if they had said there was a trailer coming. Oh, my but God. They, I'm, I'm actually glad they kept it the way it was. Yeah, It was very too. intimate. We had no idea. And then, like, Dave with his tiny little subtle smirk and, you know, <laughs> tip of the hat. And they were gone and the rest of us lost our minds. So it was, it was great. It was It was great. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the um, follow-up to that later. Well, I guess it was the next spring. I went to Star Wars Celebration in Chicago. Yeah. Because that's where I live. <laughs> it was easy. I didn't have to travel. So it was it was awesome. And they did fill a huge auditorium. It was so much fun. It was terrible weather. It was April, and there was like a blizzard. It was nuts. It was freezing cold, freezing <laughs> That won't rain. stop a Star Wars fan. I did not stop. I still no. drove the hour into the city and like stood outside in the freezing winter weather just so I could get into that particular auditorium. I was not going to miss it no matter what. <laughs> and I remember you sending me texts and videos from that. And it it looked, I mean, it was, that was a huge venue. It was huge. For that. Yeah. It's an auditorium. It's a giant convention yeah. center with the giant arena in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. It was fun. And I think that was a great panel too, because that one had Filoni and Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, Matt Lanter, James Arnold Taylor was there too. D. Bradley Baker was there. It was awesome. It was all the like major all, cast members. All the greats. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and of course, they embarrassed Dave. Everybody started complimenting him. Of course. So he like pulled yes. his hat over his face. It was really... I love him. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. So obviously, we're Clone Wars lovers. And when The Mandalorian came out, it was a little different. It was a little different. Mm-hmm. You and I, we didn't immediately like fall for The Mandalorian. We, I thought it was a little bit clunky at first. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose hope, but um, I didn't quite know where it was going. Yeah. But um, by season two, I thought they t- they really turned around. It became more artistic, mm-hmm. less uh, clunky. And of course, <laughs> the Luke that just, <laughs> the Luke moment at the end that just sealed the deal for for just about every <laughs> every true Star Wars fan, you know, who yeah. found themselves crying. Um, <laughs> but now he's attracting a wider audience. My own mother, who is, <gasps> gasp, not a Star Wars fan, <gasps> but she loves The Mandalorian. Yeah. And, she, I mean, she telephones me and calls, now who's this and what's the importance and who are those guys in the white and why can't yeah. they hit anything <laughs> when they shoot? And I said, you know, yeah. Typical, typical Star Wars questions to a newbie. Uh, <laughs> but she finds, she find. well, I mean, she, we're all from the Pittsburgh area, so she has that angle too. But, yeah. you know, she, she really digs it. And she, she has respect for anyone who can pull in an audience member who has no clue what's going on and still enjoys the show. Yeah. So, you know, there's something to be said. And I know it's not just Dave Filoni. There's a whole team of of uh, geniuses, true, you know, cinematic yeah. talents behind it. But. Yeah, but he's the executive producer on there, so he's got yeah. a lot of say in the, the yeah, plots and the story. Uh, I was listening to an interviewer was talking about how they would prepare for Clone Wars, and I wonder how similar it is to what they do for Mandalorian, but he said before a season would start, 
he and all the writers and producers would go into a room with George Lucas for like two weeks and they would literally and map I would die. out. Oh my God. Yeah, right. <laughs> You'd be so exhausted from all die. The, <laughs> the excitement. <laughs> they would plan out an entire season, each script for every episode, 24 episodes or whatever it is, in a two week period. He said they had to do like three episodes a day. Can you imagine that? I mean, it must have been so exciting, but totally draining at the same time. But how gratifying at the end when you when you go through all that and then you put something together like that. I mean, all of those voice actors and producers and animators should be hella proud of themselves. Yes. Like, damn. Seriously. It's an incredible body of work that they've produced. But he would say that while they were discussing plots and scripts, he would be not doodling, but like drawing it. Mm-hmm. And coming up with concept art in the room as they're mm-hmm. talking about it. And he has all these sketches that he would just like kind of, some of them actually became concept art. And some of it would just like go into a binder that he was going to throw away. Or like, I would love to see that binder. Yeah. Oh, my God. I w- to own a piece of Dave Filoni art would be a life goal. I would hang it up next to my hockey stick and all my penguin hats that I put on. <laughs> it would go somewhere between the hockey sticks and the lightsabers. It would go perfectly yes, right between a, them. A, a true fan room. Yeah. Right here. Worlds collide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just really appreciate his vision. And I know because I've seen some people aren't happy with some of his choices. Yeah. So I know there aren't, not everyone's a true diehard like you and I are. And and I don't think, you and I aren't really, we'll call something out when we need to. Oh, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. But I really think in this case, Dave gets no call outs but positive ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have been a few choices that I'm not crazy about. But that's, I mean, considering the, like I just said, the volume of work that comes out mm-hmm. of there, considering mm-hmm. there's only like a couple of things, I'm like, eh would have been fine without that i think yeah. that's pretty impressive most of it i'm just like oh my god so good <laughs> and yeah really as a person who's like spent my entire life writing and storytelling and studying film in school and like critical analysis of film on top of like production i just really have a deep respect for the excellent storytelling and i'm sure like we've discussed i'm sure it comes from him having a similar background in the kind of things that interested him as a kid. So maybe that's why I relate to his work. Yeah. But he told this great story about how he was like a junior in high school painting. And he had like a little paint studio set up in his basement with like sheets up so that people couldn't see him while he was working while he was painting. Oh, that's cute. And he was painting um, a piece of art from the Lord of the Rings. He was doing Eowyn and the, Mm -hmm. is it the Witcher Yeah, female badass. Yeah. Is it Witch what, King oh, yeah. or Witcher King? It's Witch King. She kills, she kill, and in the most fabulous fashion ever. Right. So he said that that part of that book was really formative to his early childhood and like taught him that women can do anything. They're just as strong as men. And that's why he's been able to incorporate so many strong female characters into the Star Wars universe because of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's vision of strong women you know being yes battle-hardened badasses yes yes i have chills i have goosebumps by the way <laughs> all the way up and down my legs because dave we have another commonality and i was gonna say you're also a super lord of the, of the rings, rings fan. <laughs> it was hugely formative in my 
formative years. It was it was life changing when I first read those books. I was in high school, and the Aowen and Witch King scene was to this day one of the greatest surprises, mm. I guess, in literature. But one of the most empowering as a female to read that essentially for those who don't know about it or haven't read it or haven't seen the movies they did do it in the movies they did it well in the movies eowyn fights and she's not supposed to because she's uh she needs to stay home and take care of the kingdom while the men go out and fight but she disguises herself as a man goes out and fight and the biggest bad guy we'll say just um the witch king Mm -hmm. the, the the on this giant like dragon serpent ride of his he lands and says and basically laughs in her face and is like no man can kill me and she rips her helmet off and says i am no man and sticks the blade in his face and kills him it's amazing (laughs) and it's truly fucking phenomenal shit okay (laughs) well and as you just said that i'm thinking of ahsoka saying i'm no jedi right yeah (laughs) can we talk about the parallels full circle (laughs) i'm just I don't know. There are certain things out there that will touch a person. And Lord of the Rings is on my list. And apparently also Dave Filoni's <laughs> list. It's a great piece of literature. I'm just saying. <laughs> and it all ties together. Fantasy, they, you know, it's a, the whole world building, the character building, the story building, the, the undercurrent of hope. Mm-hmm. It all runs through these similar stories. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's very open about how that has influenced him throughout his his life he's not pompous and he doesn't come off as pompous he's just another dude who likes star wars who happens to also work in the star wars world you know right right. and it shows he has a love for it he does he started in as an artist who then thought maybe going into animation would combine his love of art and music and storytelling and look where it's led him so there's proof to anybody if you're questioning whether or not you should follow your passion Mm-hmm. follow those things that grab your attention and who knows where it will lead one day. And it may not be a straight line. No. You may not start out as an artist and think you're going to go into animation or whatever. And to to the point of like the hometown thing, the hometown aspect, since I am from that area, not to speak badly about any of it because I do love where I came from, but it's very blue collar. And a lot of times you feel like, well, it's not possible for me. Yeah. Because he said that about it that's kind of the feel back there Mm -hmm. you know um or at least it was for me and he's a deal older than me so i I may you know maybe it's still i haven't lived back in that area for for many a year but there are like just certain things you think you can't do because well i'm not in la and i'm just kind of a normal kid in a normal run-of-the-mill town and you know there's nothing fancy about where I come from. Right. But that doesn't have to stop anybody at all. No. Yeah. I'm My extended family is from West Virginia, which isn't too far off from your mm-hmm. your family out Just there. Just to skip across the border. Yeah. And it's the same same thing. It's like hardworking people who work. They I don't know if it's so much now. I know there's a lot of more like fracking industry, but it was definitely like coal mining, steel mining, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff out there. A lot of like civil engineering type work, yep. which is really hard work. But it was, it didn't leave a lot of room for going after the arts so much. Right, right. And you were, at least I know that I was, if you were, you know, sciencey or even artistic or something that deviated from that path, then you, you were kind of, you weren't the norm. Right. And you were looked at it in that way, you know. Yeah. And I'm glad that Dave went for it. Because yeah. if you have a talent and you have a passion, you should just go for it. Don't let those things limit you. When I think he, you know, he would probably credit his parents a lot. It's so interesting because his parents sound so similar to my own parents. 
his dad is was an architect and his mom was an artist a singer and they just from an early age took their kids to see operas and plays Mm -hmm. and my parents did the same thing even when we had like no money my parents would still set aside a little money here and there so that at christmas time we would get a big family gift and it was usually to go see a play or to go see like the phantom of the opera when it came to town mm-hmm. something like that i've never seen an opera it's on my like bucket list to see it like a true Ooh, opera girl, you gotta go i've seen it always wanted to mm-hmm. um and like his parents flew him to new york city to see leonard bernstein conduct just because they thought you need to see this it's important this person is important and so Mm -hmm. they made it clear that the arts were acceptable and were important and encouraged that and look where it Mm -hmm. led you know my parents did the same thing with me but i'm i am not an artist working for lucasfilm but it's still like no but you have a podcast i do and i am i am fighting on a daily basis to find a way to make my passion my life and so i find a lot of inspiration in people like dave filoni who have made Mm -hmm. made it and he's he even said even on my days off you know i'm working i'm i'm creating sculptures or painting and he's like that's how i relax and people kind of make fun of him because he's not actually relaxing he's still like working but he said like if my drive is to live a creative life and i have a day where i don't take advantage of that it's kind of like an opportunity missed I think that's I think that's great advice for anyone. That's kind of, that's very inspiring. One, he said you could have a gift, but you still have to work hard at that gift. Oh yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people just ignore it. You study, learn. Yeah, yep. you got to really go after the things. Nothing's going to fall in your lap. And if it does that that's just some sort of crazy ass miracle. <laughs> Absolutely nothing worth having comes easy. Right. So true. If it did, you wouldn't appreciate it anyway. I mean, the appreciation, it's hand in hand. It's so true. So true. It's what Man, you we're said getting in, deep in this episode. It, we are, but it's, it's that's why Filoni is amazing. He's able to like... That's why he's a goddamn genius. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have this quote I wrote down from him, which he was talking about Lord of the Rings and Narnia, but it totally applies to Star Wars as well. And I just, I want to like print this and put it on my wall because it's so amazing. He said, evil in and of itself is not a creator. Evil takes and twists things and makes things that were good into evil. But evil of its own right cannot create. It's one of its failings. And I was just thinking, Anakin, <laughs> Anakin. Seriously, any single Sith that we talked about in last week's episode. Yeah. They can't even take their own kyber crystal. They have to take someone else's and bleed it. Mm-hmm. They, nothing they have is original. They took the Jedi code and rewrote it. They don't have anything right. original. It's all tainted. Right. It, yeah. It's just like, it was such a beautiful throwaway comment he made, he made during an interview. And I was like, this is beautiful and brilliant it's poetic and it's true it's so true and it's true like in storytelling but it it kind of feels true in life too that we all start off with good Mm -hmm. intentions everyone starts off Mm -hmm. innocent i just think that it's it's a nice thought to think that everything starts off as good you know we all have the potential for good yes ah feloni (laughs) do you see what you do you see what you invoke in us feloni a sense of poetic beauty and and harmony and hope if you want to talk about the penguins please let me know (laughs) sorry it's the hill i'm gonna die on folks it's the hill i'm gonna die on oh my cat agrees did you hear my cat i did not is he meowing oh yes he did he he agreed he too loves feloni oh he's got good taste (laughs) 
Yeah. I mean, he's not a loth cat, but close enough. <laughs> oh, I want a loth cat. They're so cute. They're so cute. Even when they snarl and hiss, they're cute. It's kind of like what my dog does. She snarls and hisses, but she's pretty cute. She's not a loth cat. But she's, she's real cute. cute. <laughs> she's very expressive. She is. She's got those pissy little eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> She always looks cranky even when she's not. I think the best way for us to wrap up this episode is to hear from Dave Filoni himself. We're going to play you a clip from Star Wars Celebration where he discusses what Star Wars is at its core. You'll have to forgive some of the lousy sound quality on this because it is a recording of a recording. There is a bit of fuzz on the audio. That being said, it's such a beautiful, poignant quote that we really felt it was important to include it. So here it is. Fear makes you make decisions you would not make. Fear makes you think you're making good decisions and they're poor decisions because you're afraid. And if you take nothing else away from Star Wars, you should make no decision out of fear. And when the Emperor stands before you and has destroyed your father and ruined your life and you're powerless and he's made you hate your father almost and you throw him down, you must remember at that critical point to say, I'm going to throw my weapon away because... I love the person next to me. I love my father. I love my mother. And nothing you do can destroy that. Nothing. And, and you stand on your commitment. And then that inspires in Anakin the hope. That inspires the love, which is something evil does not understand. That's the core of Star Wars. And that is the power that you can't possibly imagine when you're evil that Obi-Wan speaks of. Thank you, Dave, for what you've done for Star Wars and for inspiring not just Lauren and I, but a host of others that I know are listening right now and who will listen someday or who just are silent appreciators from afar. Thank you, Dave. Last week's episode was all about whether or not you believe Corky Kreese is actually a Kenobi. And we asked our listeners to tell us what they thought. And we had some really interesting responses. On YouTube, MH said, I think the physical resemblance between Corky and Obi-Wan is one of the strongest arguments you can make, and here's why. In Clone Wars, how a character looks bears more weight than in other shows, specifically because of the clone army. They use small changes in their appearance to express themselves. In no other show that I've seen has self-identification been so strongly linked with appearance. So is it a stretch that Clone Wars would use appearance to reflect other aspects of identity, like familial bonds? Also from YouTube, the listener Jornin said, I love the whole Corky Kenobi debate. This truly is one of the only things I actually wish were made canon, or at least alluded to in canon. Obi-Wan's story is already so heartbreaking, so it would be something nice amongst all the sadness to know that his lineage didn't just end with him, that Corky lived on. We also pose this question to people on Instagram and on Twitter, and the overall reaction was that people do kind of think that Corky is Obi-Wan's kid and that Satine just kept it a secret from him. I wonder if we'll ever have this mystery solved for us. Perhaps in the Kenobi series? Hmm, Dave Filoni? Next week, we have something very special for our listeners. Very special. Lauren and I, instead of Across the Miles, will be recording together because we are visiting one another and it's going to be a grand time and we'll be recording episodes together which we have not done yet 
in the infancy of Most Things Kenobi, the podcast. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. We're going to be together. We're going to be talking about Star Wars. And you guys are going to actually hear it in our voices because it's going to be so much more obnoxious. We're going to be spiking <laughs> our mics right and left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but our topic, I think our first topic is going to be, we were actually discussing recently the similarities, which there are many more of than the differences between Ahsoka Tano and Asajj Ventress. And I think there's a lot there we could get like delve into because they have a lot of things in common, believe it or not. Yeah. And I think the psychology behind their paths would be really fun to dig into. And I wonder if those characters would admit it to themselves that they were similar. That'll be pretty fun to, to discuss. If Ventress and Kenobi can get along for five minutes, I think that Ventress <laughs> and ah- Ahsoka could get along for five minutes. Maybe post-season seven, Ahsoka? Yeah, maybe then. Because they were together in the uh, Jedi Who Knew Too Much, like the final mm-hmm. yeah. Ahsoka's arc before she leaves the Jedi Order. They had a run-in. I in. think they would get along. Yeah, they'd probably work really well together. Uh, and that's going to be fun to talk about. I'm excited. And to do it in person, yes. it's going to be I know, so it's going to be great. So we have a question for everybody listening. We want to know, how has Dave Filoni inspired you? Is there a specific thing in Star Wars that he created that inspired you? Is there something about his personality, something about his history, his past? We would love to hear your answers. And if you share them with us, we might actually read them on next week's episode. When we're together. Yes. Yay! (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us here on Most Things Kenobi, the podcast. Remember to follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For your one-stop shop, you can always find us over at mostthingskenobi.com. So until next time, my dearest space twin, may the force be with you. Always. Always.